Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Wrestling Rewind, we are going to be focusing on female professional wrestler Mildred Burke. As you can see here, Mildred Burke is considered to have been one of the strongest female competitors to ever participate in professional wrestling. Before starting her career, she was an office stenographer. Burke began wrestling professionally in the early 1930s. She gained a lot of attention from wrestling and defeated many male wrestlers. Several men tried to pin her and could not. Women who wrestled or tried to wrestle her were even less successful. Burke became the women's world champion soon after she began her wrestling career. It was a title she kept for nearly two decades. She was the first women's champion in the United States to hold the title for more than 15 years. Her early years, Mildred Bliss, was born on in Coffeyville, Kansas on August 5th, 1915. She was the youngest of six children. At the age of 15, she started working with Zuni Indian Reservations as a waitress. When she was 17, her boyfriend asked her to marry him. As she agreed, the first wrestling match she ever saw was in Kansas City. This was when she was able to meet Missouri State Wrestling Champion named Billy Wolf. At the time of seeing her first wrestling match, she was pregnant and had been married for three years. Wolf would eventually become her second husband, as well as wrestling coach and manager. And there goes a strong picture of Mildred Burke from the 1930s. Her wrestling career in 1935, when Burke was 19, she started working on the carnival circuit as a wrestler. A reward of $25 was offered to any man of similar weight to wrestle Burke and try to pin her within a 10-minute time period. There was no man who was able to earn the $25. The carnival work didn't pay much, and she got a job working in an office as a stenographer. She asked Billy Wolf to train her. Initially, he didn't want to train Burke. He told her to wrestle a man that he instructed to body slam her. He hoped this would make her leave him alone. The man did, and then Burke came back and body slammed him. Wolf then agreed to train Burke for professional wrestling. And there's Billy Wolf. Uh, so Burke wrestled more than 200 men during the 1930s. She won every match except for one of them. Billy Wolf was making a significant amount of money promoting women's wrestling. When he was on the road with the woman and he trained and managed, Wolf developed the reputation as a womanizer. Burke found this behavior unacceptable, and in 1952, the couple divorced. 
This resulted in Burke being ostracized from many channels of the National Wrestling Alliance. And there she goes right there. The future of women's wrestling was discussed by the NWA Chicago at the Blackstone Hotel in 1953. This meeting, uh, Burke was forced to stay in the hotel's lobby. Only the male members of the NWA were permitted to attend this meeting. Burke's ex-husband, Wolf, was able to freely speak to the members of the NWA. After this meeting, the NWA refused to recognize women's wrestling. Women were banned from the annual NWA conferences. This decreased the value of women's wrestling in professional wrestling. And there she goes during a match. Her career achievements in 1936, Burke won the Midwest Wrestling Association tournament. This gave her the first women's title. She successfully defended the world title in 1937 by defeating female wrestler Clara Mortensen. Burke then traveled around the United States and the world defending her title. In 1948, she wrestled and defeated well-known female wrestler June Byers. She defeated Elvira Snodgrass in 1950 at the Carl Gables Coliseum in southern Miami. During the same year, she defeated Mae Weston. Burke once again wrestled Snodgrass in 1951, where she won the title, she won the match and kept her title. So there goes a nice little poster there. Promoting women's wrestling. During the 1950s, Mildred Burke was in Los Angeles and created the women, the World Women's Wrestling Association. During this time, she was considered to be a woman with a perfect physique. Uh, and the Los Angeles Police Department would post pictures of Burke around the police station. The goal was to inspire police officers who were out of shape to start working out in the gym. The NWA eventually started promoting women's wrestling and claimed June Byers was their champion. Burke also maintained her title. She worked with Bill Newman to create the International Women's Wrestlers in Incorporated. The organization had offices in Sydney, Australia, New York City, and San Francisco. Burke also promoted women's wrestling on an international basis, where she created the Worldwide Women's Wrestling Association, the WWWA. After retiring, Burke lived in California and operated a women's wrestling school. You can see an old newspaper article there about Mildred. Her injuries during her wrestling career, Burke experienced many types of injuries. She had five knee surgeries as well as a broken nose. Her thumbs had been pushed back to her wrist after being torn from her joints. Uh, once Burke was on her back and an opponent stomped on her face, this caused severe damage to her teeth. After winning one intense match, Burke also suffered temporary blindness. Her signature move uh, was called the alligator clutch. Burke credited this move for her success with wrestling. It is the move, one move she used to end the majority of her matches. It was a wrestling move that required speed and just the right timing. She would maneuver her opponent to be bent in an odd shape, and then Burke quickly used her weight to pin them down. Career Achievements 
she was the three-time women's world champion, the WWWA world heavyweight champion, the NWA world women's world champion. She was a member of the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame, a member of the WWE Hall of Fame, a member of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. And there goes a picture of her there from the movie Below the Belt, where she was uh, also featured in movies. Mildred Burke was able to play herself into the movie Below the Belt, which was released on November 26, 1981. Robert Ulrich produced a movie called All the Marbles. It was released on October 16, 1981. Burke was able to serve as wrestling advisor on Ulrich's movie. Each of these films was critically acclaimed and focused on professional women's wrestling. Uh, there goes uh, The Queen of the Ring, Sex, Muscles, Diamonds, and the Making of an American Legend by Jeff Lean. And this uh, is about Mildred Burke. Looks like a great book, great tights. Uh, there were books written about Mildred Burke, The Queen of the Ring, Sex, Muscles, Diamonds, and the Making of American Legend was written by Jeff Lane. It was released on September 1st, 2018. Per wrestling, the fabulous, the famous, the feared, and the forgotten, Mildred Burke was written by Robert Muriel. It was released on December 2nd, 2015. And then there was Mildred Burke, Champion Girl Wrestler, and that was written by Robert Gray Reynolds Jr., and that was released on May 27th, 2015. So good reads on Mildred Burke. Unfortunately, Mildred Burke suffered a stroke on February 14th, 1989. She died on Saturday, Saturday, February 18th, 1989 at Northridge Hospital. Burke was 73 years old. She is buried at Forest Lawn Cemetery in Hollywood Hills. So uh, that is about Mildred Burke. Just a short story there that I think is very important uh, as, as far as wrestling goes and as far as women's wrestling goes. So Mildred Burke, a pioneer and a trailblazer in professional wrestling. I think uh, a lot of women probably should, you know, follow in the footsteps of not only being a female wrestler, but also a promoter and a trainer. And let's just take a look at some of the other women at the time that Mildred Burke was wrestling. We had Donna Christan Christanello, the fabulous Moolah came after, Betty Nikolai, Tony Rose, Penny Banner, Sharon Joyce, Marva Scott, Joyce Grable, Barbara Nicholas, Bonnie Watson, Linda Klein, Jessica Rogers, Vivian Vachon, uh, Vicki Williams, Sandy Parker, Kathy O'Day, Lucille Dupree, Kay Noble, and Princess Little Cloud, and Jean Ant Antone. Antone. And uh, Lynn, let's just get to some 
pro wrestling rankings and see exactly how women's wrestling progressed after Mildred Burke and then into the 70s, we had women such as Donna Cristinello, Fabulous Mula, Betty Nikolai, Tony Rose, Penny Banner, Sharon Joyce, Marva Scott, Joyce Grable, Barbara Nicholas, Bonnie Watson, Linda Klein, Jessica Rogers, Vivian Vachon, Vicki Williams, Sandy Parker, Kathy O'Day, Lucille Dupree, Kay Noble, Princess Little Cloud, Jean Antoine. Uh, let's see. We Again, Fabulous Moolah was pretty much the champion everywhere. Uh, Vivian Vachon was AWA world champion in most places. And then... Uh, moving on to the set night, like 1972, you had um, again Fabulous Mula as the champion, and newer girls like Ann Casey and Natasha, Debbie Johnson, and Paula Steele joined the roster in 72. Let's see, Vicki Williams joined the roster, Paggy Patterson, Joyce Becker, Debbie Johnson, and Susan Green. And then in 73, let's see, Lily Thompson joined the ranks. Marie Laverne joined the ranks. Sandy Parker won the WWWA World Champion in Japan. Then they, Paula Kay joined the ranks. Linda Klein, Dottie Downs, Kay Noble, Vicki Williams, Sue Britton, K.O. Aiko, uh, Joyce Grable, Lucille Dupree, and Penny Banner all joined the ranks uh, in 72. Then in 73, let, let me see, any newcomers in 73? Only Susan Green, okay, she was already there. Uh, 73, 74. Let's see, Vicki, Marie Levin, okay, same one, okay. Uh, Jan Sheridan was new in 74. Let's see. We'll just go year by year and see who was new. Lucille Dupree, Mary Jane Mull, Cora Combs, Princess War Cloud. Uh, that was in 74. So those were the women, the newer women of 74. And then in 75, we had the debut of Daisy May. Uh, so, and well, Susan Green, Peggy Patterson, 75, let's see, not, uh, not a, well, a few women, not a whole lot. 75 also brought in Barbie Dahl and Lisa, Lisa Raymond. I think that's supposed to be Lisa Raymond, Lily Thomas. And let's see. And Casey. Vicki Williams, Daisy May, which we, yeah, we covered her. Leilani Kai making uh, her debut. Bella Starr and Sheila Shepard. In 1976, the women, let's see, any, uh, no newer women, Dottie Downs, 1976. Bella Starr was new in 1976. Kitty Adams was a new girl. And they wrestled uh, 
looks like Leilani Kyle. Uh, let's see. Vivian St. John was new in, let me see, in 1977. And Casey was a United States champion. Vicki Williams, Sue Green, Dottie Downs, uh, Tony Rose, Vivian St. John, Belle Starr, she was new, and Kitty Adams, I guess, had debuted in that year in 1977. Uh, let's see, new girls debuting? Nope. 78. No girls in 78 listed. 79. All right, the women for 79. The only, the only new one was Mary Jane Mull, really. We don't see a, a whole lot of... Just going through the list here. Most hated. And then, actually, by 79, I, I think they stopped even giving results for the women. So, you know, there were only so many women available to cover. So we're going to get in now to vintage women's wrestling of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So the history in brief with this one is in the 50s, uh, in the 50s, women's wrestling had lots of crowds, but especially Mildred Burke, who we just spoke of, who is very hardworking. She thought of herself as an athlete more than an entertainer. And she wanted to make sure that women she was in the ring with made everything look good too. She insisted on you having to be in the right shape. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just be untrained, a pretty person out in, in the ring. They insisted that the fans might be interested in the idea of seeing a women's match, but they'll really be won over if the women can actually outperform the men. So that's why they, what they tried to do. They tried a lot of times to do a lot of moves that were flashier and bigger than the men were doing more acrobatic moves uh, because basically they were trying to impress every time they went out and the guys were just doing another show on the circuit. So they, uh, you know, in the 50s, it was a novelty. In the 60s and so forth, uh, there's a bit of a downslide. The wrestler, trainer, and promoter, Fabulous Moolah, took over, and she would only book women that she trained, and she would charge them a stipend and a booking fee for all of her matches. And a lot of times, she would have them move onto her compound in South Carolina and charge them rent. So these women were working for Mullet in the 60s, 70s, and in the early 80s might have been uh, only bringing home 40 to 50% of what they earned because Mullet was taking everything off the top. But they had no other alternatives. Uh, they, she was the only game in town. Things changed a little bit in the 1980s. If you remember the rock and roll connection with MTV starting out, the first thing MTV really focused on was women's wrestling matches. It was the fabulous Moolah who was by this point in her late 50s against Wendy Richter. And Wendy Richter was managed by Cindy Lauper, who just had girls just want to have fun and a very big name on MTV. So they aired the match uh, and it got huge ratings. And that led to the first WrestleMania. So the very first WrestleMania was started by the fabulous Moolah and Wendy Richter. 
that was a definite high point for women's wrestling. Less than a year later, Wendy Richter was not getting paid the royalties she thought she deserved and left the WWF and uh, jumped into GLOW. We have a great collection here that we're going to go through for vintage women's wrestling superstars, 1980s and 90s. So let's go on and get right into it. Here goes the fabulous Moolah, who made her wrestling debut in 1949 and wrestled her last match in 2003. She was synonymous with women's wrestling throughout her career. The first of her four official reigns as women's champion began in 1956 and is billed as having lasted 28 years. She actually lost and regained the title numerous times during that span. Mola won the championship for the final time in 1999 at 76, easily making her the oldest WWE Women's Champion ever. The only reason Mola isn't at the top of this list is because women's wrestling largely was regarded as a novelty act during her era, much like midget wrestling was. Mola was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995. So... Let's see. Uh, Lillian Ellison was her real name, but Billy Wolf renamed her Fabulous Moolah because she always fought like it was a money match. Moolah started in the 50s and wrestled throughout the early 90s, holding the undisputed professional women's wrestling title longer than any woman in the history of professional wrestling or sports. Her cruelty was her trademark. Known worldwide as the most historic women's wrestling wrestler in professional wrestling, the fabulous Moolah almost single-handedly helped define the women's division as one of the most talented on earth. Moolah got her first big break as a valet for nature boy Buddy Rogers in the early 1950s. During this time, she became known as one of the first modern managers of wrestling. In 1955, Moolah began to work for Vince McMahon Sr.'s promotion, Capital Wrestling Corporation. It was at that time she began to catch the attention of wrestling fans nationwide. Her most famous achievements came on September 18, 1956, when she won the Women's World Championship. This was a title that she would re- retain for 10 years, over 10 years. Once she lost the championship, she regained profession, I'm sorry, possession, possession a few weeks later before holding on to it another eight years, finally relinquishing it in 1976 to Sue Green. During this long reign, she also made history by becoming the first female to wrestle at Madison Square Garden on July 1st, 1972. The fabulous Moolah would continue to work right in the 1980s, becoming a key figure in the growing rock and wrestling connection, a movement which would help to shape wrestling today. Moolah would go into semi-retirement throughout the duration of the 1990s until she re-signed along with Mae Young to become a cameo figure in the new millennium. It was during this time that she not only became the oldest wrestler on the WWF roster, but she also became the oldest woman to hold the WWF women's title at 76 years old. After this, she would continue to make sporadic appearances until her death on November 2nd 
2007 at the age of 84. In five decades, the fabulous Moolah would work to become the greatest female wrestler in professional wrestling history, a title that cannot be denied. So the fabulous Moolah. And then moving on to Medusa Michelli. Better known as Medusa, the name she performed under outside of WWE, Blaze, was the centerpiece of the women's division when WWE reactivated its women's title in 1993. Blaze, who employed an athletic, hard-hitting in-ring style, held the WWE Women's Championship three times between December 1993 and December 1995. During that time, she, ha she had a memorial title a memorable title program with legendary Japanese star Bull Nakano. In an infamous moment during the Monday Night War, Blaze's finale, uh, she took the title reign in WWE, ended when she showed up on WCW Nitro and dropped the WWE Championship belt into the trash can. Blaze was inducted into the Hall WWE Hall of Fame in 2015, even after dumping the title in the trash can. So great for Medusa. And there is another cute shot of Medusa Michelli. Alundra Blaze, or AKA Medusa Michelli, uh, born Deborah Ann Michelli in 1964. She's a performed professional wrestler. She's best known under her ring names Medusa, shorthand for Made in the USA or Alondra Blaze. Her early career was spent in the American Wrestling Association, where she held the AWA World Women's Championship one time. In 1988, Michelli was also the first woman to be awarded Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Rookie of the Year. The following year, she signed the contract with all Japan's women, all Japan women's wrestling, making her the first foreign wrestler to do so. She later joined World Championship Wrestling, where she was a member of the Dangerous Alliance, a group of wrestlers managed by Polly Dangerously. Blaze was a centerpiece of the women's division when WWE reactivated his title in 1993. Blaze, who employed an athletic, hard-hitting in-ring style, held the women's title three times between December 1993 and December 1995. During that time, she had a memorable title program with the legendary star, Bull Nakano. In an infamous moment during the WWE Monday Night War, Blaze's the final title reign in WWE ended when she showed up on WCW Nitro and dropped the WWE Championship into the trash can. Blaze was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. Next, we move on to legendary Wendy Richter. Wendy Richter had a strong connection with Cyndi Lauper. Indeed, girls just want to have fun was her entrance theme, and Cindy served as her manager for a long time. Richter was a key figure in WWE's rock and wrestling era in the mid-80s, when pop star Cindy Lauper feuded with legendary WWE manager Captain Lou Albano. It cultivated with Richter representing Lauper, defeating Fabulous Moolah representing Albano for the WWE women's title, thus ending 
Mola's supposed 28-year title reign. In the match billed as the brawl to end it all, that was televised live on MTV in 1984. Richter became a two-time champion when she regained the title from Leilani Kai at the first WrestleMania in 1985. Richter's second and final reign came to unceremonious ending that year when she was legitimately double-crossed and pinned by Mula in her match that has uh, come to be known as the original screw job. Richter left WWE shortly thereafter and did not return until 2010 when she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Next, we have sensational Sherry Martel. While Sherry managed the likes of Ric Flair, Randy Savage, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Shawn Michaels, she was also a superb wrestler. In her 1987 WWE debut, Sherry won the WWE Women's title from her mentor, the fabulous Moolah, and went on to hold the championship for 15 months. In 1989, Sherry was a team captain in the first women's traditional Survivor Series match. So Sherry Martel, one of my favorites, wrestled Sherry Martel and Wendy Rector in my time. So happy to say that, you know, I had that experience. There you see a great shot of Sherry Martel. So Sherry Martel was born in 1958 and unfortunately died in 2007. She was an American professional wrestler and valet, better known by her ring name Sensational Sherry or Sister Sherry. Uh, throughout her career, Martel competed in American Championship Wrestling, the AWA, where she feuded with Medusa, and Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW, as Sherry Martel, and the World Wrestling Federation as Sensational Sherry, Sensational Queen Sherry, and Peggy Sue, and in the World Championship Wrestling as Sister Sherry and Sensuous Sherry. While Sherry managed the likes of Ric Flair, Randy Savage, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Shawn Michaels, she was a superb wrestler. In her 1987 WWE debut, Sherry won the WWE title from her mentor, the Fabulous Moolah, and went on to hold the championship for 15 months in 1989. She was uh, the captain of the first women's uh, traditional Survivor Series match. So Sherry Martel, always awesome. Then we move on to Lisa Moretti was a vet from the 1980s Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling circuit and nearing 40 when she reemerged as WWF's Ivory in 1999. She remained a force through the mid-2000s. Uh, Keiko Nakano, as, also known as Bull Nakano, the fierce Nakano, first made her ring in-ring native Japan before tearing through the WWF competition in the mid-1990s and defeated Alundra Blaze for the WWF Women's Championship. Let's see what's on. I think it was Tina Moretti. I think I said Lisa Moretti, but I think it was Tina Moretti. I could be wrong. But this will tell us. All right. Tina Moretti. There you go. And let's see this beautiful picture of Tina Moretti. Lisa Tina Moretti, uh, born 1961, is an American professional wrestler, began her career in Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, 
promotion where she wrestled as Tina Ferrari from the mid to late 1980s. She then debuted in a World Wrestling Federation in 1999 as a manager for the team of Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown. She won the WWE Women's Championship twice before becoming a part of the Right to Censor group, an alliance of wrestlers with conservative views and winning the title for a third time. Moretti was a vet of the 1980s Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Circuit and nearing 40 when she reemerged as WWF's Ivory in 1999. She remained a force throughout the mid-2000s, wrestling Bull Nakano. The Fierce Nakano first made her name in her native Japan before tearing through WWF in the mid-1990s, defeating Alundra Blaze for the WWF women's title. So... Tina Moretti. And then we move on to Bertha Fay. She took Alondra Blaze's WWF title at 1995 SummerSlam. Let's see. They're trying to make us guess who it is, but we know. We know Bertha Fay. And Bertha Fay, also known as Monster Ripper. Oh, she was young and small back then. Rhonda Singh, a classic woman wrestler from Canada and trained by Mildred Burke and debuted in the late 1979. Her Elise's Beef, Bertha Fay, La Monster, Monster Ripa, La Monstra, and Rhonda Singh were all her ring names. She was managed by Harvey Whippleman. She was in the stable. She uh, worked with were many. Nitro Girls with AC Jazz, Baby, Shay, Chameleon, Chiquita, Fire, Gold, Kimberly, Not A, Silver Sky, Spice Star, Storm, Siren, Teo. Did she work? Or, oh, oh, she worked as Beef. She was a Nitro Girl. Okay. Her trademark moves were Avalanche Body Slam, Butt Drop, Gorilla Press, and Powerbomb. Finishing moves were the Big Splash and the Sit-Down Powerbomb, the Big Bertha Bomb. Oh, Big Bertha. After training with Mildred Burke, she wrestled in Japan under the name Monster Ripper. In 1987, she returned to Canada and began working with Stampede Wrestling, where she worked her first match at Stampede uh, as Stampede Women's Champion. In 1995, she worked with the World Wrestling Federation as the comedic character Bertha Fay, winning the WWF Women's Championship. She also wrestled in World Championship Wrestling to help generate interest in their women's division. In 1995, Singh was contracted by WWF uh, to help their fledging women's division. She However, was repackaged as Bertha Fay, a comedic character who lived in a trailer park and dated Harvey Whippleman. WWF management originally wanted her to have an on-screen feud with Bull Nakano, but there was a change of plans after Nakano was charged with cocaine possession. Singh made her WWF debut on the April 3rd, 1995 episode of Monday Night Raw participating in a sneak attack on a laundry blaze, making it appear as if Blaze's nose had been broken at SummerSlam Faye defeated Blaze for the WWF Women's Championship and held the title until October 23rd, 1995, airing of Monday Night Raw, where Alundra Blaze regained the title. Uh, fan interest in women's wrestling sunk once again as the year closed, and Singh tired of working there, moreover. Faye was frustrated with her gimmick, and WWF management asked her to not perform 
uh, the same power moves as the male wrestlers. So instead, Faye was forced to act as comic relief. After a year with the company, Singh asked for a release from her contract. She briefly returned to Japan, but did not like the new system, which did not guarantee payouts. In the late 1999 and early 2000, she worked with World Championship Wrestling briefly and appeared on several telecasts to help generate interest in women's wrestling division. And she was also a contender for both the WCW Cruiserweight Championship and the WCW Hardcore Championship. In addition to competing in matches using her Sting and Monster Ripper gimmicks, she also made a couple of appearances with the Nitro Girl dance troupe as Nitro Girl Beef as a comedic relief. So um, let's see. Yeah, this is okay. Their, their title history was pretty long. She had the WWWA J- Japan World Singles title, defeating Jackie Sato in 1979, WWWA uh, title in 1980, the Stampede Women's title, defeating Wendy Richter in 87, the WWC. World Wrestling Council defeating Wendy Richter in Puerto Rico in 1987, and again in 1990 defeating Candy Devine for the WWC title. WWC title again in uh, 1990 defeating Sasha. WWC title uh, she held again in 1991, and again in 1991 defeating Candy Devine. WWA defeating Lola Gonzalez in 1991. And the WWF women's title, defeating Alondra Blaze in 1995. So let's see her career highlights. As a teenager, she contacted the Hart brothers about training her, but they rejected her. Ronda Singh stumbled upon Japanese women's wrestling on television while in Hawaii and was hooked. She got her hands on wrestling magazines where she found and contacted Mildred Burke, who trained her at the wrestling facility in Encino, California. She trained for several weeks before getting recruited by All Japan Pro Wrestling as Monster Ripper. She was given the name Monster Ripper, which she used until 1995 when she joined WWF in 1979. Uh, Her and Komini debuted in Japan and defeated the beauty pair, Jackie Sato and Maki Udu. Uh, let's see. She was the WWA Women's World Champion, defeated Jackie Sato in 1979. And wow, there is a lot. She worked for Stu Hart in Stampede. She traveled to Mexico and Japan. She was, uh, wow. She's just, she, she, Monster Ripper was all over the place. This Bertha Faye, um, you know her as. WWF's birth of fate, but she was so much more than that before then. Let's see, in May May 10th, 2000, that's, let's see, she, Ronda Singh defeated Elizabeth by disqualification. Whoever, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth. So that was her retirement match. And then she passed away at the age of 40. I would figure she would have been a lot older than that, but uh, I guess not. Then we move on to Susan Sexton, who was born in Perth, Australia. She was trained by Ali Musa, the Turk. 
Sexton went to the United States in 1975 and began working for Mildred Burke. After briefly working for Burke, she began working independent cards around the world. In 1989, she worked for American Wrestling Association. Susan Sexton was the reigning LPWA women's champion. Uh, recognized by WCW as world champion, Sue Sexton has relocated to Los Angeles where she helps train new wrestlers and also has a writing career. Very interesting for Sue Sexton. Then we have one of my favorites, Luna Vachon. She was a playable character in the video game WWF Raw, uh, the first woman American wrestler to be immortalized. Uh, Vishan knocked around for years before muscling into WWF and WCW in the 90s. Once she arrived, she mentored and rivaled Sable and did battle with Medusa Michelli, which was a great set of matches. I'm going to learn a little bit more about Luna Vishan. There she goes. It doesn't have much more about her. I don't know why. <laughs> and then we move on to Debbie Combs. These are all women that I've wrestled, so I love reading about them. Uh, but let's see. We will go to Debbie Combs' profile and see all about her. Oh, boy, the last match I had with her, it was the NWA title match for IWA Mid-South. And I got my hair stuck in a ring apron and... uh <laughs> pulled my hair out, but that's a whole other story. So Debbie Combs, there's a great shot over there. And Debbie Combs is a professional wrestler better known as Debbie Combs. Worked in National Wrestling Alliance and is a former NWA Women's Heavyweight Champion. She originally won the title by battling uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii in the spring of 1986. At some point, she was no longer recognized as the champion and defeated Penny Marshall to become the champion again in Kansas City, Missouri in 1987. The Kansas City promotion withdrew from the NWA in 1987 and closed in 1988. The NWA vacant Combs title and awarded Misty Blue Sims, the re oh, as the title, the NWA United States Women's Championship, a replacement of the prior NWA World Women's Championship held by Combs. That's confusing. Combs challenged Sims to a match at Delta Tiger Lily's card in 1989, but Sims was unable to accept due to an arm injury she had sustained. Sounded like somebody just might not want it to lose their title. Uh, okay. And then we have Leilani Kai. She battled Alondra Blaze for the WWF women's title at WrestleMania 10. Uh, Seymour, another of Moolah's girls, was an old school pounder on one-time WWF women's champ who endured. Uh, she was the only wrestler, man or woman, to appear on the first WrestleMania bill at and the 10th. She trained hundreds or women like Riptide, Bobcat, Molly McShane, Brandy Wine, Sweet Destiny, just to name a few. Okay. And then we have Heidi Lee Morgan. Morgan began her career at the age of 10. She was uh, 
named Daisy May at the time. She was a valet for her father, Les Morgan, and she was trained by the fabulous Moolah, Wolfgang Von Heller, and Johnny Rods. She battled uh, Wendy Richter for the NWF women's title in the first ever women's steel cage match in 1987. Morgan later held the LPWA tag team championship with Missy Blue Sims and the WWA, WWWA ladies championship during her career. Uh, Heidi Lee Morgan, uh, who will have on the show uh, for an interview soon, has a long history in professional wrestling. And could you imagine starting at the age of 10, 10 years old? Uh, I, I didn't start much later than that, but Heidi definitely had a jump on me. So there's a great shot of Heidi there. See, Heidi Lee Morgan began her career again at the age of 10 under Daisy May. And uh, let's see, she is amazing. There's nothing more we need to say about Heidi. Uh, then we got Reggie Bennett. Uh, she began wrestling on the California independent circuit in 1986, primarily for independent wrestling federation, where she won the promotions women's uh, championship three times. Soon after that, she was signed to ladies professional wrestling association and Bennett signed with all Japan women's pro wrestling in 1994 and competed there for several years and was a fan favorite. So let's see a little information about Reggie Bennett. She was huge and muscular and one of probably one of the strongest female wrestlers out there. And this was Reggie when she was very young, very impressive. Five foot eight, 160 pounds. Uh, Reggie Bennett began wrestling on the California Independent Circuit in 1986, and she was signed to LPWA and All Japan Women's Wrestling in 1984. Uh, Bennett faced uh, Chigusa Nagayo at Big Egg Dome Wrestling universe show at the Tokyo Dome on November 20th, 1994. She won the IWA World uh, Women's World Title Championship in 1995, defeating Minami Toyota, and she lost the IWA title later in 1995 to Takako Inanu. Uh, Bennett then went on to capture the All-Pacific all Pacific Championship by defeating Mariko Yoshida and then Koro Ito in a tournament on June 22nd, 1996. Although she would again lose her title to Iono, uh, Reggie Bennett retired from professional wrestling in 2004. So, but she had a long and strong career. So, Reggie Bennett. Huge lady, trained, I believe, I believe, by the Malikos over in Tampa, Florida. So check out Reggie Bent, more of Reggie Bennett if you if you need. And here goes a great shot of our next female, Rockin' Robin. Rockin' Robin, uh, Robin Smith, born in 1964, better known by her ring name, Rockin' Robin, is a retired professional wrestler as the daughter of uh, Arlene Grizzly Smith. She's a second-generation wrestler. Her brother, Sam Houston, and half-brother, Jake the Snake Roberts, are also wrestlers. 
Smith worked for the World Wrestling Federation in the 1980s, and she held the WWF Women's Championship from October 1988 until it was retired in 1990. She then worked on the independent circuit. So, Rock and Robin, another legend. And next, we move on to the the early Paris Hilton of professional wrestling. I, I guess what you would refer to her as the uh, UW at uh, the Queen of the UWF, Missy Hyatt. Great shot of Missy Hyatt there. And Missy Hyatt is an American professional wrestling valet, better known as her ring name, Missy Hyatt. She gained the majority of her fame working with World Championship Wrestling before joining Extreme Championship Wrestling, World Class Championship Wrestling, and Universal Wrestling Federation. Hyatt's professional wrestling career began in 1985 when she was hired by World Class Championship Wrestling, WCCW. She was the manager of John Tatum, who she was dating at the time. She was embroidered, embroiled in a feud with another valet in WCCW, Sunshine. Sunshine. This raw rivalry culminated in a mud pit match at the Texas Stadium in 1986, one of my favorites. Eventually, Hyatt and Tatum left for the Universal Wrestling Federation. At this time, Eddie Gilbert was the leader of Hot Stuff International, a group that included Sting and Rick Steiner. Hyatt formed an alliance with his group, and it was renamed H&H International Inc. It was the long before Hyatt and Gilbert started an affair that caused problems with Tatum. Hyatt left Tatum for Gilbert in 1987, and they split up on screen as well. She married Eddie Gilbert in 1988. While still under WWF contract, Hyatt was <laughs> worked the contract about working uh, the WWF. Vince McMahon wanted Hyatt to replace Rowdy Roddy Piper and his segment Piper's Pit with a new segment called Missy's Manor. Uh, Missy's Manor segments were taped on March 21st and 2nd and April 23rd, 1987. Despite having big name stars on her segments, such as Macho Man, uh, Randy Savage, and Miss Elizabeth, the Honky Tonk Man, and Harley Race, the show was considered a disappointment and McMahon asked Hyatt to become a federette, which were the ring girls show, shown at pay-per-views. She thought this role was beneath her, and she went back to the UWF. She was right. In 1987, when the UWF was purchased by the National Wrestling Alliance, Jim Crockett Promotions, Missy and Eddie came along. Missy was used as a commentator, conducting her debut interviews with Sir Oliver Humperdinck on December 1988 edition of World Championship Wrestling on TBS, and then eventually as a manager for Eddie Gilbert and the Steiner Brothers. She eventually returned to her role as commentator and host of WCW main event and soon was engaged in a feud with fellow commentator Pauly Dangerously. The feud led to various competitions between the two, including an arm wrestling match at the Clash of the Champions, Dixie Dynamite on January 1991, in which Hyatt defeated Dangerously. A contributing factor to her victory might have been that Hyatt removed her jacket to reveal her low-cut top as the refs <laughs> stared at the contest, <laughs> Missy would engage in her battle over who was the first lady of wrestling, uh, was with the Dangerous Alliance Medusa, with uh, Hyatt narrowly 
winning a bikini showdown at in 1992 Beach Blast at the pay-per-view event. While in WCW, Hyatt made an appearance in IWA at ringside during a match between the Bushwhackers and the Thunderfoots. Hyatt returned to managing in 1993 with the association with the Nasty Boys. She briefly managed a barbarian during a match. Hyatt jumped off the ring apron and her breast popped out of her top. Uh, when she went to the WCW office the next day, they allegedly had blown up the picture of her and put it on a wall. Hyatt complained to her boss at the time, Eric Bischoff, who did not take action. So Hyatt went over his head to the boss. And as a result, Bischoff released her. She then decided to file a lawsuit against WCW for sexual harassment and for overdue payments for her time doing a 1-900 hotline for the company. Bischoff, however, claimed that the Hyatt was fired on February 8th for her behavior and jealousy over signing Sherry Martell. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, what a ridiculous story. Like she was jealous over signing a Shari Martel. That's, that's, that's absurd. But uh, we'll get to the next lady coming here is Misty Blue Sims. It's a shot of Misty there. And Misty Blue, Misty Blue Sims was the champion of the red, white, and blue and the ultimate good girl who battled forces of anti-American evil. Uh, Sims got into wrestling after learning to box and be a part of all-female boxing show. From there, she was invited to Killer Kowalski's wrestling school, where she trained for 18 months prior to her first match. Sims competed for the American Wrestling Association in a 10-woman battle royal at Wrestle Rock 86, and on uh, April of 86, the match was won by Sherry Martell. In 1986, Sims joined the National Wrestling Alliance and was awarded the NWA United States Women's Championship, a replacement to the prior NWA Women's World Championship held by Debbie Combs. She once uh, challenged Debbie Combs to a, the unified title match for the NWA Women's Title Match and the NWA World United States Women's Title Match, but was attacked by Combs, manager, mother, and, and mother manager Cora Combs. She frequently defended the NWA US title against Linda Dallas, Cat LaRue, Black Venus, Mad Dog Debbie, Irons, and a handful of other women on the NWA's TV programs, Worldwide Wrestling and World Championship Wrestling. Many of the matches between Dallas and Sims ended with the two battling each other with Dallas's kendo stick. She also frequently partnered with Heidi Lee Morgan and Vola in tag team matches. She was also briefly feuded with Jim Cornette during a televised interview on TBS. Sims requested that Cornette help train her to lure him into the ring and nailed him with a dropkick. When the Midnight Express hit the ring, Dusty Rhodes appeared to even the sides. Sim then competed in an eight-person mixed tag team match, uh, partnering with Rhodes and Nikita Koloff and Barry Windham against Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express, and Dick Murdoch. However, the angle never reached the popularity of Cornette's similar feud with Baby Doll. While Medusa Michelli was reigning AWA World Women's Heavyweight Champion at the time, Sims challenged her to a unified, unified title match with the NWA United States Women's title and the AWA Women's World title. At 
a, a Delta Liger Lilies event, but the match never happened. When the NWA phased out the women's division in late 1989, Sims wrestled on an independent circuit and eventually joined Ladies Professional Wrestling Association. She and Heidi Lee Morgan competed as a team, America, and won the LPWA tag team titles. They lost the titles to the Glamour Girls. Misty feuded with Monster Ripper in Puerto Rico and won a title from her. There are unverified reports that Missy may have lost some matches, but no visual or readily available proof was uh, written that seems to exist. In late 1991, Sims wrestled in World Championship Wrestling, which had evolved from the Jim Crockett Promotions branch of the NWA, where she competed in uh, matches against Linda Dallas and Kat LaRue. So there goes for Misty Blue. Misty Blue Sims. I saw her uh, wrestle Heidi Lee Morgan at an NWA show at the Civic Center in Philadelphia. It was actually one of the first live uh, female wrestling matches that I had seen. Next, we have Miss Elizabeth. And she was American professional wrestling manager, occasionally occasional professional wrestler and a professional wrestling TV announcer. She gained international fame from 1985 to 1992 in the World Wrestling Federation and now WWE. Well, not now. And from 1996 to 2000 in the World Championship Wrestling. In her roles as manager to Macho Man Randy Savage, as well as others during that period, I believe she also managed uh, the Four Horsemen in later times. And accompanying her was Nancy Benoit and Deborah Mike Deborah Michaels, McMichael, or I believe, uh, yeah, Ric Flair and all those people she managed in WCW. So Miss Elizabeth, a little bit longer of a career than what I just read. Moving on to the next uh, legends of ladies wrestling. It's going kind of slow. But uh, I was never a, a really a Miss Elizabeth sort of person, more of a uh, Sunshine, Missy Hyatt, Dark Journey, which Dark Journey is not in this list, I don't think. And that's kind of disappointing. Next, we, we move on to Bambi, uh, who was born as Selena Majors, better known by her stage name Bambi. American professional wrestler, debuted in 1986 working for David McLean. She competed in his nationally televised Professional Women's Wrestling League, Powerful Women of Wrestling, or POW, as Bambi, in 1987 and 1988. Bambi feuded with the AWA Women's World Champion, Medusa Michelli. She also competed in a lingerie battle royal at the AWA Super Clash 3 pay-per-view in December 1988. Bambi's uh, arch rival was the aforementioned Medusa Michelli. Bambi lasted in wrestling biz longer than most of the ladies. She was still fighting in WOW in 2001. Wow. <laughs> wow. So, and then we have a list of other ladies here. Kat LaRue being one of them who we had mentioned earlier as a regular opponent of Misty Blue Sims. And all this information taking a long time to come up. <laughs> there goes Kat LaRue with the big strap. She was a professional wrestler built from New Orleans, Louisiana, and was one half of the Nasty Girls tag team with Linda Dallas. 
Cat LaRue made her debut in 1985 as a 16-year-old 16 year, as a 16 year after training with Keller Kowalski at his school in Massachusetts. Cat began her career as Missy Blue Sims' tag team partner before turning against each other, joining former enemy Linda Dallas and Mad Dog Debbie Stable. The trio wrestled for many Northeastern independents, including IWF, ICW, USWF, NCW, and others. They got their big break when, alongside Missy Blue Sims, Heidi Lee Morgan, and Cookie Zula, they joined Jim Crockett Promotions and stayed there from 1987 till mid-1988. Upon leaving Jim Crockett Promotions, they returned to North Indy wrestling scene in 1989. Cat wrestled for Delta Tiger Lilies Florida Championship Wrestling and Joel Goodhart's TWA before joining Tourberg's LPWA teaming with Linda Dallas and as the Nasty Girls. The company went into hiatus in 1991, and the Nasty Girls returned to the East Indie scene. Cat retired in the end of 1995. So, and then we're moving on to Linda Dallas. And there's a shot of the young Linda Dallas. Wearing blue for a change. Uh, after training with Killer Kowalski, Linda began wrestling in the Northeastern New England independent wrestling scene. In 1985, she won the IWF women's title, defeating Lady Liberty, and lost the title to Misty Blue Sims uh, after the two feuded for the title in World Class Wrestling Association, International Championship Wrestling, and Continental Wrestling Association. And the independent scene, Linda's big break came with Jim Crockett promotion, and she became a fixture on NWA television and live events as a part of a faction led by her sister, Mad Dog Debbie Irons. Uh, the run it concluded in 1988, and Linda and the company returned to the independence. Next stop was Delta Tiger Lilies in Vegas, Nevada, which was a precursor to the LPWA. The Nasty Girls with Cat LaRue joined the newly formed LPWA and became contenders for the LPWA World Tag Team titles. They lost in the tournament semifinals, but were strong contenders for the titles for the stay in the company. They did win the titles on one occasion, but the belts were returned when Wally Carbo overturned the decision. The Nasty Girls left the LPWA at the end of 1991 and returned to the Northeast Independence until both Cat LaRue and Linda both retired in 1995. After retiring from wrestling, she moved to South Carolina where she resides with her husband, Ralph, in works in the fashion business. Interesting. Uh, we're, we're trying to get to Mad Dog Debbie here to see what her deal was. But uh, I think last time I checked this out, Misty Blue Sims kept coming up as Mad Dog Debbie. Yeah, and she still does. I'm not really sure why. But all right. And... Then we got this Hollywood and then Vine, as we all remember from the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling run by Jackie Stallone back in the 80s. Let's see if we got anything on Vine here. Nope, no image of Vine. Get to Sue Green. Should be an image of Sue Green. Uh, these ladies, uh, legends in professional wrestling, uh, coming after Mildred Burke 
in the uh, pioneer golden era of professional wrestling. Now, these are the ladies that come a little later. There's Sue Green, women's wrestler. She's a Texas gal, one big Texas gal that could beat the devil out of every woman and man equally. She was the kind of woman you didn't want to get mad at you unless you were eager to go to the hospital. She worked mostly in the 70s, so much of her work you didn't see on TV, and back then matches happened everywhere and weren't filmed, so videotape was very uncommon. Uh, Sue was one big old Texas girl that could beat the devil out of any man and woman equally. She was the kind of woman you didn't want to get mad at you unless you wanted to go to the hospital. She worked mostly in the 70s, so much of her work, yeah. Uh, the Tex Sue Green, very tall and lanky, but could fight. She was excellent in Texas and had excellent fuse with the fabulous Moolah. Unfortunately, her career was affected by injuries and was out for a few years. Uh, she was the PGWA champion twice, the WWE Women's Champion. Uh, unfortunately, not recognized by WWE. In 1976, she won the title. Uh, let's see, Sue Green defeated the WWE Women's Champion, Fabulous Moolah, in 1976. Does, do not recognize it. She was hospitalized in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and um, she was bad on it staff infection or something anyway her, her signature move was the bulldog and the boston crab so she was um replacing penny banner in 2008 as well uh let's see then we move on to peggy lee leather who is a great great big gal great big strong interesting gal although this was her at her start wasn't that big back then but moved on to a great big gal. Uh, let's see. Peggy Lee, also known as her stage name, Peggy Lee Leather, Lady X and Thug, is an American professional wrestler. She competed in Florida Championship Wrestling as Peggy Lee Pringle, the sister of Percy Pringle. She engaged in a feud with Mad Maxine, who had been battling Percy. She then began working for American Wrestling Association as Peggy Lee Leather and cha challenged Medusa Michelli for the AWA Women's World Heavyweight Championship. She also competed in a lingerie battle royal at AWA Super Clash uh, pay-per-view event in 1988. I, I just got to laugh at that because why, just why would they put her in a lingerie battle royal? I, I, would, I would love to turn back and, and see that one, though, to be honest with you. Uh, moving on, our next lady of the evening, who's taking so long to come up, <laughs> is Cheryl Lightning Rusa. So uh, 5'1", 110 pounds, Cheryl Lightning Rusa with, uh, you know, is a very small package of dynamite trained by legendary Jean LaBelle and ex-world champion Sue Sexton. Cheryl is a former glow girl and LPWA wrestler. She teamed up with Reggie Bennett, uh, known as Little Mo, forming a tag team locomotive locomotion, excuse me, and uh, has performed worldwide. Cheryl also partnered with Cindy Paradise together in a tag team, The Mighty Mites. She is also a company accomplished and a hardworking stunt woman. Steel Kittens uh, has her as a, all right, they, they got some videos of her. And then moving on to the next lady, the California Doll. 
Gotta love any dolls in wrestling, right? Doll, doll, doll. Ah, oh, no image. No image of the California doll, but I think we all remember uh, from Glow who she was. So no picture necessary, just visualize it. And the next lady we got coming up, unfortunately, uh, she just passed away last week. Miss Candy Devine, who I also had the pleasure of wrestling several times. Uh, born Candice Rummel, Candy Devine began her wrestling career by running a fan club for Lanny Poffo and working briefly as a ring card girl for ICW in Kentucky. Devine is best known for her time spent in uh, American Wrestling Association feuding with Sherry Martell. She held the AWA Women's Championship on four separate occasions, and she won a battle royal to fill a vacant title in 1984. Devine competed at AWA's Super Clash and wrestled Rock 1986 and Battle by the Bay and War in Windy City cards. Now, Candy uh, competed in one of the first female thumbtack death matches with me in Cleveland, Ohio, for Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. So, Candy, a uh, legendary uh, pioneer and uh, groundbreaker. Rest in peace, Candy. Next, we move on to a legendary lady who was also one of my favorites back in the day of watching NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. Come on, load baby doll. That's who we're waiting for. So, and as soon as I see her say her name, there she goes. Come on, baby doll. Nicola Roberts was the daughter of Nick Roberts and successful women wrestler Lorraine Johnson. Her father, Nick Roberts, was a small-time wrestling promoter in Lubbock, Texas. She's best known for her appearances in World Class Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett promotions in the 1980s. I'm surprised they didn't mention her affiliation with Dusty Rhodes and Tully Blanchard and the original Four Horsemen and the fact that she became a championship wrestler in her later years. But uh, I guess they can't fit everything in, right? But Baby Doll, absolutely uh, one of uh, one of the groundbreaking women in professional wrestling. One of the greatest promo cutters ever uh, between her and Sunshine. Uh, you know, just great stuff. And here goes Matilda the Hun. Matilda the Hun, excuse me, also known as Queen Kong. Uh, so D, better known as Queenie, first used the stage name Queen, Queen Kong while skating for five years with such roller derby teams as the Chicago Hawks, the New York Bombers, and the Detroit Devils, and the Texas Outlaws. Her acting career has been argued, <laughs> argumented by a short live stint as a rock star. The video to her hit single, I Eat Raw Meat, was played often by Los Angeles sportscaster Fred Rogan for a number of years on KNBC TV4. She has appeared on a numerous game, amount of game shows, Win, Lose, or Draw, and The Gong Show, where she was a co-host for 14 episodes. She also made a living delivering very physical singing telegrams known as slamograms where she would take down a victim a guest of honor at a party in various professional wrestling moves all 
designed to look extremely painful and brutal, but ultimately harmless due to various injuries over the years from wrestling and roller derby. She no longer performed performed slamograms uh, due to health reasons. Uh, she also did those private wrestling sessions as well. Some of her greatest fans have been children during her glow years. Um, she made personal appearances to mobs of kids. Despite her rough and gruff image, she is in real life the sweetest, most gracious person, treating her friends and fans uh, with immersed kindness and affection. Uh, Matilda the Hun, a moniker was given to her by Glow producers. It wasn't until the show was uh, over for a number of years that she discovered that uh, they had taken the name directly from a character played by Roberta... Collins in 1957 Death Race 2000. Queenie was one in a million and an inspiration and a wonderful friend. Uh, okay, Peggy Lee, definitely, definitely a legend, I would say. And next, we're moving on to Tina Ferrari, also known as Tina Moretti. Look at that beautiful picture. Beautiful picture, Tina Moretti. So Tina Moretti, uh, Lisa Tina Moretti, was born in 1961, and she began her wrestling career in a gorgeous ladies of professional wrestling promotion, where she wrestled as Tina Ferrari from the mid-19 and the, the mid to late 1980s. And then she debuted for WWF. In 1999, as a manager for Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown, she won a WWE Women's Championship twice before becoming a part to, of Right to Center, an alliance of wrestlers with conservative views and winning the title for a third time. Moretti was a vet of the 1980s Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Circuit and near 40 when she redeemed, uh, she reemerged re as WWF's Ivory in 1999. She remains a force through the mid 2000s of wrestling Bull Nakano. And uh, yeah, Tina Moretti. I hope you've enjoyed this little education lesson on women's wrestling from uh, the golden era, the pioneer era, and beyond. And uh, see exactly what female wrestlers were the, the, the encouragement and, you know, the, the, the outlook for the future of women's wrestling. So um, hopefully when you look at the women now, you, you can see a little bit of the past inside of them. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Wrestling Rewind. I am your host, Angel Amoroso, and I hope that you will come back every Sunday night on YouTube, on the Monty and the Pharaohs uh, YouTube here. We have a good network going on. Uh, so please join me back for Wrestling Archives, Wrestling Roundtable, and Wrestling Rewind every Sunday at 7. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And as always, have a great night and a great life. Good night. <laughs>